Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to our guest now. Thomas Pulowiecki is head of Asia uh, Multi-Asset Solutions, APAC at T. Rowe Price, joining us on the line from Singapore. Thomas, always great to talk to you. I mean, we are looking at these increasing chances of a global recession. The UK turmoil, as we heard earlier from uh, the Fed's Raphael Bostic, not helping. And as Brian mentioned, this Ned Davis research seeing a 98% chance of a looming global recession. It kind of begs the question of, of how deep this is going to be and, and how do you hide here? Yeah, sure. Good morning, Juliet. So, um, look on the recession risk. It's true that the, if you look at uh, certain indicators like um, the PMI, uh, market returns, as well as the yield curve, you get to that ninety percent probability of recession. But then, if you throw in the labor market and uh, the low level of leverage that we see uh, globally, you, you get a probability that is um, that is much lower. So, I guess we we can be negative given what is going on in the market and the level of volatility. And definitely we have been positioned conservatively in our portfolio, but we have also to, uh, to keep in mind that there are some green um, aspects of the economy uh, with the labor market and the low level of leverage. So it's, um, it's something that we are monitoring closely, um, still a volatile market, still a being defensive, but we also play offense with some part of our portfolio through emerging market, for example, or high yield. One of uh, the hedge fund managers that we interviewed at Bloomberg, Anne Bernard from Wincrest, says, I don't think it's time to be a hero, just want to survive the year and end up. In that case, do you see more allocation towards cash, towards safe havens? Um, look, um, safe havens have been hard to find this year, definitely. So um, it has been more about uh, protecting assets through um, dynamic uh, future-based strategies or um, using cash, as you said. We have um, a limited amount of cash uh, these days. We, we, we try to make that cash work harder by investing into a high yield, which is typically well-placed in, uh, in the early stage of recovery, given the low level of leverage that I mentioned before. So um, that's a way to, um, to allocate your cash and take uh, a bit more risk for sure, but also to, uh, to have um, a higher yield. So for income investor, that can be attractive. Uh, we can see also that um, some of markets, uh, especially in the emerging market and in Asia, um, the worst has been uh, priced in already. So it's uh, difficult to see earnings revision going even lower. It's difficult also to imagine central banks uh, tightening more. In fact, most of the central banks in Asia are considering easing 
So we see that there, there are pockets of opportunity here and there, but uh, at, a, at a high level, we agree that it's not the time to be a hero and we have uh, a conservative uh, allocation for now. So we are monitoring how markets are going uh, down and there will be a time where uh, you have to start buying. When it comes to the Asia picture, though, I mean, King Dollar very much wreaking havoc with all of these currencies falling to multi or record lows. Are you worried that we could see a similar scenario to what we saw in 1997? Uh, not a base case, but definitely the, the pace of appreciation is, uh, is something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, we, it's hard to um, take any view on the, uh, on the currencies right now, except uh, this uh, long dollar that has been um, king for the past um, month. Uh, I have to say that um, uh, what is key is to monitor the, the volatility of the rate market, um, mm. defining and estimating what would be the terminal rates of central banks uh, is what the market is grappling with. So looking at an indicator like the move index is something yeah. to, to watch for to get also direction uh, on, the, uh, on the currency market. We're talking about King Dollar and the crisis level potentially uh, amongst Asian currencies. When it comes to the yuan, that plunge near a 14-year low, how much more pushback do you expect from the PBOC? Uh, look, the, the PBOC is not trying to um, to reverse a trend from a depreciation to an appreciation. I think um, what the PBOC is concerned about is a pace of uh, depreciation. So that's what they have been trying to do uh, to... Um, come up with some uh, rules that are preventing more outflows from the countries. So monitoring the pace of depreciation. But if you look at the UN, versus, not versus the US dollar, but versus uh, the trade weighted index, uh, the UN has been uh, pretty flat or even stronger. So I, I guess what they are trying to, uh, to monitor is the competitiveness and a depreciation is expected going forward. When it comes to the overall China story, we are expecting those PMIs to continue to show further weakness. As we have Chengdu, though, lifting its lockdown, is there hope for growth stabilisation? And I guess what kind of uh, positive momentum are we expecting to see if we do see an easing from COVID zero after the party congress? Look, the, the consensus on the easing of the, the dynamic, zero, dynamic zero COVID policy is more uh, looking at uh, Q2 uh, 2023 now. Um, so I I'm not expecting any uh, lift or any uh, positive surprise uh, after the party congress. But uh, I guess the, uh, the mood and the expectations are already pretty uh, dire when looking at China. So it's, um, it's more what is priced in and uh, whether if you look at six to 12 months going forward, uh, things will be improving in China. And that's what we are um, looking at is the, the improvement from the current situation is very likely especially if you have a 12 months horizon. And that's why we have been quite uh, modestly positive on Chinese assets, uh, looking at an improvement in earnings, uh, looking at especially in um, sectors like uh, electric vehicles, uh, the green transition and also the automation in manufacturing. You say more broadly, a lot of the bad news has been priced in in Asia. Where are you looking for further upside? We talked to a lot of people who are looking at the likes of Thailand, India. Are they on your radar too? Uh, they are, but um, I guess the, uh, the upside from now is um, perhaps uh, limited, although uh, we would still favoring uh, Southeast Asia versus uh, North Asia. Um, we are still in a way living in the, in the post-COVID distortion world. And um, Taiwan and Korea, for example, were big beneficiaries of this uh, 
buying of goods that we saw during COVID. So they are uh, perhaps uh, going forward struggling more than the Southeast Asia, where they are benefiting from the reopening and the services. But the reopening is uh, is quite um, uh, gradual. And until we see China being able to reopen their borders, uh, the tourism uh, tourism industry will not really be uh, a big lift uh, for t- Thailand, for example. So maybe waiting a couple of months to uh, make uh, big bets on Thailand and um, Southeast Asia will be how we, we position there. So for now, we are quite broadly invested into it. Okay, one one reopening story that we're all excited about is is Japan, and then you've got that very weak yen too, which bodes well for Japanese equities. Tell us a little more as to why you're overweight overweight Japanese stocks. Yeah, that's um, something we discussed very recently. So, um, as you said, the, the weak yen uh, at some stage uh, starts to become um, uh, a tailwind for the exporters, and uh, at the same time, we see commodity prices. Uh, going down because of the, um, the expectation of a, a weak economic growth environment. So um, this could be um, really um, a very unique situation in this world right now where Japan has a still accommodative policy, um, still um, a, a very weak currency, um, um, l- lower commodity prices. And typically this bodes well uh, for uh, Japanese uh, companies to, to do uh, well in that environment. All right, so overweight Japanese stocks, overweight high yield. Thomas, we thank you as always for your insights. Thomas Polowek is head of multi-asset solutions at T. Rowe Price on the line for us from Singapore here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.